never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Vigilantes podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. We've already spoken about regional horror. We do it quite a bit. These small films that pop up and catch people's attention and do do reasonably well. Honeymoon horror is the one I, I come back to. But uh, there's also films on the nasties list that seem to have been influenced by uh, by Blood Feast, the Herschel Gordon Lewis film. So uh, the obvious clear example of that would be Mardi Gras Massacre. If Blood Feast showed the way for splatter films, Invasion of the Blood Farmers, the film that we're going to talk about today, shows that there's, uh, there's still a fair bit of uh, life in the old dog, yeah, in 1972. Created by, uh, by Ed Adlam and uh, written with him and Ed Keller. This is very much an example of a, a guy who'd had some success um, or was kind of just um, scouting for opportunities, perhaps, and uh, in uh, managed to get some cash together to make a little bit of a labour of love. It's just a farmhouse and looks pretty innocent from the road. But once you're inside, you'll see what really happens on a terror farm. Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Coming in the dead of night. Coming to plant the living and harvest the dead. Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Within a week, the lab will be flooded with... With human blood. I can't stop it! Are you strong enough? More raw terror, more stomach-turning shock than you can take. Therefore, we warn you. Don't eat before you see Invasion of the Blood Farmers, and you'll have nothing to lose. the living and harvest the dead. Invasion of the Blood Farmers, released by NMD Films, in color, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Ed Adlam is uh, a guy who really, although he made a few films, not really renowned as a filmmaker. He'd uh, already had a very brief success, or at least released a single as, as in his band called The Castle Kings, 
Now, the song itself was uh, a uh, the song called You Can Get Him Frankenstein, which is the kind of uh, novelty uh, bebop records that you, you tend to find um, uh, in these uh, kind of 50s and 60s compilation CDs that, uh, and playlists that pop up. Indeed, it is on Spotify. Now, the song itself is... Uh, not very notable. It kind of doesn't really stand out amongst you know these CDs that you can purchase of, of you know uh, spooky spooky you know novelty tracks and there's like thirty or forty of them on. <laughs> you know um, they they tend to uh, they they tend to all merge into one, and that's probably the case with uh, with the Castle King's efforts as well. Although the film, there's the film. Although the song does feature, um, <laughs> I suppose you could call him a ghoul now yourself, really. But Phil Spector has a very brief cameo appearance at the end of the track, saying, "Hey Frankenstein, bring me back that girl of mine," and that's Phil Spector. The band never really went anywhere. They released two songs, uh, neither did particularly massively well, and. Um, off, off the toddled into obscurity. Um, looking back at the time, uh, filmmaker Ed Adlam says in the book Regional Horror Films, 1958 to 1990, uh, written by Brian Albright, that he felt that was probably for the best, that they weren't ready. And uh, they never really had a talent, the talent to warrant a, a big record deal anyway. So in uh, northeast upstate New York, he gets gets a copy of the magazine Cashbox, which is a, a periodical around music industry looking for work, and ends up actually getting a job, the magazine itself, as an editor. It's not that surprising. Adlam had studied um, journalism at Fordham College and had a degree in it. Although he himself has always been, you know, was a, a little critical of the degree, uh, kind of saying that, you know, was one of the few people to graduate from that from that course who actually went on to do what you were meant to do. He'd already met a guy called Jack Bradman uh, before he worked at Cashbox, um, who worked uh, for six months when he worked for six months at Look Magazine in the, the early 60s, 1962. Jackie had, had kind of got interested in, in the possibility of making films, and then in the mid-60s, he actually reached out. So Jack had actually reached out to um, Adlam in, uh, in the mid-60s, because he said he had some money to make a picture, going to call, and it was going to be called Sex in the Acid Bath. He said to me, can you help? He agreed to work with him on it uh, after a while, changing the name from uh, Blonde on a Bum Trip rather than Sex in, an, in the Acid Bath to try to make it sound a little less sleazy. The film was not successful. But after adding some inserts to kind of spice it up a bit, the uh, it did manage to play um, some of 42nd Street for a while. Anyway, we fast forward a few years and um, Ed is uh, working the cash box as an editor and he um, works with a guy called Eddie Keller to write a script 
for a film called Invasion of the Blood Farmers, which is the film we're talking about tonight. At this point, Invasion of the Blood Farmers was an alien invasion movie about uh, farming of blood from people in a, in a, in a, in a village. The, the script was originally written with view of a, a friend of his, Ralphie Morrow, um, to, appear, to appear in it. The idea behind the making of the film appears to be basically out of boredom and then um, opportunity. Scripts had been written uh, for off-Broadway shows with Eddie from Ed Keller, and he was kind of definitely trying to grow. Ed Allen was keen to kind of take that and, and move forward with it and kind of become more of a success, really, and saw horror films as a way to do it. Incredibly, um, they managed to get some some low-key cash and um, sparked... A, a bit of a, a bit of a success story from it, or at least a, a cult classic, anyway. Realizing that outer space aliens were almost certainly going to cripple the budget and make, not make it uh, impossible, they hastily rewrote it the last the script the last minute. They decided to settle on the concept that it's rather than aliens harvesting the blood, they'd use druids instead. The view that apparently when uh, Ed Adlam decided to uh, write, you know, to, to, to research the, the druid lifestyle, as it were, he discovered that in actual fact, uh, it, it said that very little was known about them, which is perfect, of course, because if you know, don't know much about them, you can write whatever you want. The script was so tight. And it was shot in weekends while uh, they, you know, in much the same way as a lot of, you know, low-budget horror is, um, because that's when people are free. Because, you know, they they work during the week and then uh, make a horror film at the weekends. It was all shot in and around Adlam's own home in Westchester County and in in some woods north of the city of New York. The film itself is um, deliciously camp um, and rather silly. Um, we have, um, you know, very, very unusual coloured um, blood, which kind of looks at what it is, which is certainly some kind of, you know, viscous sugar syrup. Various young types are killed and often, both on and off screen. Um, there's a bit of, um, you know, it's not sleazy as such. It just has that kind of campy thrills, those campy qualities that lots of people enjoy in this kind of horror films. Indeed, um, Adlam, as director, producer and writer, stumbles upon that magic formula that uh, makes these things uh, awful <laughs> but eminently watchable. Um Although, you know, it's a, it, like a lot of these kind of uh, camp classics, it, it, it does take a while for the uh, the public to kind of catch on. A guy called uh, Nick Dimitru um, picked up the film and uh, effectively, Cunt Adlan, um, ripped him off. 
he did get into cinemas, which was good, and it was theatrically shown around the country. But like a lot of these kind of things, uh, the money didn't seem to uh, to flow back to the filmmakers very easily. And it, indeed, um, Adlam has stated, stated uh, back in that 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 book that we've spoken about um, in in the in the in the nineties was written in the nineties um, that. Um, he received um, very little money because, uh, and indeed, you know, if it if it was sold overseas, which it, had, it was, it was sold in Europe, and that's been that video in the UK. He saw no money from that, and it's been on TV and all that kind of thing as well. So, all he seems to have seen is some cash from from the original theatrical run. What I recommend that you can't expect, however, is that the film itself is. Um, too much of a, a shocking or, or, or terrifying or frightening experience. It's uh, campy qualities will out. Indeed, it um, seems surprising now that it was seized at all. I suppose it's a rather lurid colour of a, a man with a pitchfork attacking a woman with her arms outstretched, would potentially cause some uh, worries from the, the police. I mean, we see um, almost certainly with a film like The Slayer, the uh, the pitchfork death was probably the thing that originally got balanced on the nasties list. So it's pretend, it's possible that these kind of you know stand, you know implements that could be found around the home used to kill people twit caught the attention of the authorities but almost certainly once they'd seen what was um you know a, a more of a jolly jape than anything more serious they stepped away it was released uh, in preset vhs in 1981 on rainbow and also on video as well as we've said before it was seized but no longer as has uh, you know no longer uh, haven't got any jail time for it let's put it that way the film was then re-released and has you know was uh, and is available now on Blu-ray on seven films and um, various uh, bits and bobs. There's a uh, there is a US version. I think you can pick it up for streaming on uh, on on uh, Shudder. I mean, a pretty grim looking version, if I'm being honest. But and this is the the biggest thing, of course. Now the the film itself is actually uh, rated PG for its theatrical release. So um, don't if you're going to strap in for a good time. Don't expect it to be much of a shocking one. Unless, of course, you find the uh, the sight of uh, obviously younger men with shocks of uh, white hair being added, much like um, our, our, our protagonist in uh, a Blood Feast or um, Suad, as his name is, or, uh, or you know, or, or, or various uh, young women in just God awful lingerie and um, underwear, really. You know, um, would it, 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 it almost goes out of its way not to be to try not to be that sexy, you know what I mean? It's uh, part of a, a wider kind of feel. I think that you know, it's uh, it's all about good, campy fun. Sadly, this uh, marked his um, his only directorial film, although uh, he did have this uncredited writing. For Blonde on a Bum Trip, and also worked on on a different film, Shriek of the Mutilated, which came out, which he produced and co-wrote, and it came out two years later in 1974. This was directed by Michael Finlay, who was the editor on Invasion of the Blood Farmers, and uh, although 
uh, Shriek of the Mutilated is uh, not known as a classic of the genre. Um, indeed, in fact, it uh, has a, a, that irritating thing that it does where it, the, the poster gave away just a little bit too much in terms of what the film was actually about for the the willing audience, which no doubt led that the, the buzz around it was absolutely abysmal. Um, uh, although, you know, a fantastic title, if nothing else. So, Adlam, a, um, you know, we've, as we said before, I worked on Cashbox, was a guitarist in Castle Kings, um, recorded a couple of flops and then kind of entered into the uh, the world of, of publishing proper. He set up and his publisher to the, was published to, to a replay magazine, which started in 1975. And, um, and now his focus is almost entirely and still remains really impressively, actually, on replay magazine, which is a, a gaming coin-op, like a pinball, arcade, um fruit machine kind of a business uh, trade sheets really I suppose um, and has been working in the business for over 50 years um, and he has made claim that he's the person who, who coined the pun uh, the term I should say video game and you know go to go to replaymag.com and you can see that it's all still there and you know that that publishing empire contains continues so even though we never you know the uh, the, the the slasher film demographic didn't really work out for him um the making money from uh, from writing about uh, arcade machines certainly did Thanks very much for uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, another another interesting character who, who seems to have stumbled <laughs> to some notoriety. Um, thanks to uh, somebody called uh, Trizzy Gillespie on uh, Twitter who uh, who contacted me and reached out and mentioned the fact that obviously I'd managed to re- review in Seminoid and not use the phrase big glassy knob which <laughs> used in the film very true very true and uh, I feel like I've let everyone down by not, not drawing attention to some of some of the absolutely strikingly bad uh, moments of, of um, dialogue that permeate the film but obviously <laughs> big glassy knob certainly in a very old school way um, certainly catches the attention if you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonassispodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at Orange and Monkey or go to the website, uh, videonassispodcast.com or thelasthorrorpodcast.com where um, there's loads of podcasts, as you could probably guess. Um, next week, we're going to cover um, Slasher Film, Home Sweet Home, which is from 1981. And, um, uh, you know, well... We'll, we'll get we'll get through it um you know not my favorite genre as i think i mentioned before um but uh one of the one of one of the the second tier efforts it's certainly not one of the worst films on the list so till then take care i'll speak to you soon goodbye
never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, You've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.